Welcome back to Sweet Tea and D&D. I'm your co-host, Thomas. And I'm your co-host, Adrian. And I'm your co-host, Zach. And we are starting off this week. We're getting in a monster. We're going to get in a magic item. And we're going to get in some DM, some DM tips and some player Just tips. Just a tip. Yeah, not too in-depth, probably. Maybe. We'll see. You never know. All right, well... I will kick it off this week with our monster. The monster I have brought to the table is the Zorn. Those of you who are Adventure Zone uh, listeners will have probably will probably recognize the Zorn as an NPC from the campaign that they wrapped up. I guess a couple of months ago now. At this point, yeah, um, uh, graduation. Graduation was the campaign, um, and I just really like this character, and I wanted to learn a little more about it. She's into rocks. I really like rocks, you guys. What can I say? Um, so, the Zorn is a... We're doing another elemental. Like I said, I like rocks. Um, rocks rock. So, the, the Zorn are native to the elemental plane of Earth, where they are kind of just uh, gliding through the stone and the dirt in the elemental plane, and they are eating gemstones and precious metals. And they like that a lot. So when they accidentally, or however, they end up on the material plane, there's not as many uh, chimstones and, and metals about for them to eat. And they tend to get pretty upset about that. So generally, they're encountered ranging through the Underdark looking for these gemstones and metals that they need to sustain themselves. And when they can't find those, they tend to become hangry like many of us do. Can confirm. Can confirm. So, so you kind of glossed over. You said glide through the stone and rock, and I feel like it. It. it the description of it is what, like, it moves through stone and wa- rock, like you would move through water. Like right? a fish swims through water. It doesn't tunnel. It doesn't like eat the rock. The the earth surrounding it. It's just like it's part of it because it is. It is rock. So what this creature looks like is. I mean, it's not, it's not just a boulder, like, like our, uh, uh, oh, I already forgot what it was called. Gallimdor. was, that we covered a few episodes. It's not just a rock. It is a, um, it is. Well, where can we find it? I can't even, it's on page 304 if you want to find it in the monster manual, but it's, um, it's got. Sort of, it's sort of a circular thing with three legs and three arms and three eyes and just a big mouth on top. So it kind of kind of a gravelly looking dude. Yeah, it kind of looks like gravel. It, it um, looks kind of like the thing from Fantastic Four, but with more arms and legs. Just yeah. one of each. Yeah, and it also has more. a giant mouth at the top. I like to think with that it cha cha slides through the earth. <laughs> Real smooth. Take it back now, y'all. <laughs> so, um, yeah, each of these three arms that it has is tipped with sharp talons. Its eyelids are stone-lidded. Uh, apparently they felt the need to clarify that for some reason. And it can see in all directions because it's got uh, three eyes just sort of in a circle. It can just look around. Um, as Thomas alluded to, it is an elemental traveler, so, um, it is able to glide through the stone and dirt as easily as a fish swims, and does not deplace it, and so it leaves no hint of its passage through there. 
So you don't get like the whole dune worms moving through the sand where the sand bunches up. It'll sneak up on you. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, in theory, I guess if you were just like in a in a like a mine or a cave, this thing could sort of just like pop out of the rock at you. Um, Terrifying. Yeah, but the other thing about Zorn is the only thing they want to do is eat. Um, so they're not really Same. they don't eat organic material. They just eat these metals um, and and stone gemstones. So oh, not same. Um, the thing is, travelers or our adventurers, who our players will be, they'll probably have some sort of metals or stones on their body, and so that's likely to draw the attention of the Zorn. Um, but the Zorn isn't evil. Um, it's considered neutral, and so its first move is to plead or bargain with um, the person who has who possesses such uh, food items for it. Um, so this can be used to, maybe they'll offer up information in exchange that it's learned from traveling. Um, but if you ignore it or don't give in to its requests to hand over your precious metals and ginsones, it's likely to uh, resort to force because it is hangry, as I said. <laughs> um, so, on to the stat block. It has an armor class of 19. That's natural armor. It's a pretty, pretty decent armor class. Um 73 hit points, or 78 plus 42, as the uh, pros say. 78. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't initiate, I don't enunciate very well, don't worry about it. <laughs> prime, prime uh, podcasting voice. It has a speed of 20, and when it's burrowing, it can, it still has a speed of 20. It has a strength of 17. But only a dex of 10, so it's not super dexterous. Uh, it's a constitution of 22, so that's uh, it's pretty good. It's a plus 6 to con. That's, that's pretty... A, it's got some beefy con. It is, it is a, Mostly rock, rock. a rock monster. Uh, it has rock an intelligence monster. of 11 and a wisdom of 10, so plus 0 to those, as well as charisma, which is also an 11. Um, it is resistant to piercing and slashing from non-magical attacks unless they are adamantine. Adamantine? Probably adamantine. Adamantium. Um, it has dark vision and tremor sense for 60 feet and a passive perception at 16. So it's pretty, pretty perceptive. And again, it has the language of Terran. So it speaks rock earth language. Terran, yeah. Terran. It's a challenge rating of five, so uh, he's a beefy dude. But in theory, they you don't, don't fight him. You don't have to fight him. Some some uh, some parties probably tend towards violence and will will make an attempt at fighting. But he really just wants to eat your stuff. So um, that could be a fun way to to get rid of some uh, excess money or something. Yeah, I don't I don't know of a party that has excess money. My, you my haven't party's... listened to Dungeons and Daddies then, because they got filthy rich in that show. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so, like I said, it has Earth Glide, which means it doesn't disturb the, the earth and stone that it moves through. And so it also has Stone Camouflage, which means if it's in rocky terrain, it has advantage on dexterity and stealth checks. And then it also has treasure sense. So by scent, it can detect the location of 
precious metals and stones, such as coins and gems, within 60 feet. So that's how, you know, it, it knows you have some uh, some yummy, yummy food on you. Um, it does have a multi-attack, so every round he gets to make three claw attacks and one bite attack. Um, these are both melee weapon attacks. Uh, claw is plus six to hit with a frame, with a reach of five foot and does 1d6 plus three slashing damage to one target. The bite that it gets to do once is also plus six to hit and within five feet to one target, but it does 3d6 plus three piercing damage. I mean, he is mostly mouth. I mean, he's got some big talons and some big mouth to, to chew to chew up those yummy, yummy rocks. So, um, my favorite part about this entry in the monster manual is the little quote it has up at the top, which says, keep a few gems in your pocket. A hungry Zorn is a helpful Zorn. Uh, X the mystic sixth rule of dungeon survival. So, yeah. Helpful tip. Have some gems to feed a hungry Zorn. I guess that'll be my tip today, because those Zorns can be super helpful. So, as a DM, I think that would kind of be the angle you want to use this. This is also an opportunity to teach your players that not every encounter has to be a dangerous one or a fight. So, um, I think this is a creature that when you enter a cave, your first thought should be, are my players too wealthy? And how can I fix that? So, (laughs) you will find that your players are more deadly when they have a lot of money on them. And if you're trying to give them something more challenging, you need to use something to throw money away. And in this case, throwing gems and coin into a monster's open mouth will help. Um, I will say the hardest thing probably with dealing with this monster is going to be the language barrier. Unless you have the ability to use tongues or something along that line, it is only capable of communicating in Terran. So, it will be very hard to talk to someone. Unless you're like an Earth Genasi, then you're probably good to go. Um... With that, I would say that um, as an encounter, since this creature, uh, Cha-Cha, slides to the earth, I would see it that it's going to check its locations and the party out by getting a good read on them first. So have the party, like, walking through, like, hey, what are you guys talking about? What are you doing as you're walking through this space? Are you having idle conversation? Are you like, I'm going to punch any creature in the face? Versus, like, oh, yeah, Susie's doing well. Our relationship is going fine. Like, the questions are, like, how is the party presenting themselves? Are they very aggro? Are they very peaceful? And the way I would use this creature is they're going to exchange information on how to find something in a cave. Whether that cave is constantly shifting like a maze or whether it's just such an extensive cave system. Maybe they're going in for a mining company to look for something. Something has brought them to this cave then this creature is going to offer to help and take them to the location in exchange for goods. So all they do is throw money away to get the item or whatever they're looking for. Uh, Maybe it could be a rescue mission, and this creature's already stumbled across the party that's lost, and now they're trying to get through everything. It's neutral, so it would probably help them out with traps. If not, it will try to give them directions on where to go. Um... I would say that it probably wouldn't engage unless it thinks it can take the party or if they're going to be nice and give it stuff. I will say combat-wise, this thing doesn't move very quickly. So if it's in a combat situation, it would likely go to a place that it has easy reach to a wall. 
so maybe no more than 20 feet across 10 feet across that way it can hop out attack and then use the other 10 feet to move back into stone also it can just mm. drop into stone underneath it so as long as the party's within 20 feet of each other it's easy for this creature to sneak up on people and start attacking it has a plus three to stealth so it's probably going to do okay uh when communicating with it it would be easy to probably persuade it to your side to help you out uh I would do it where its demands are getting more and more costly to the part where if the party runs out of funds or doesn't come up with something to trick it or try to get it its money, it will become aggressive towards them. Uh, it's a CR5, so 5th level party is probably going to be good against this. Um, I would try to keep it as like a, hey, this thing will mess you up if you're low level. So yeah. try to be like, hey, this is a not everything is a combat encounter. Try talking to things every once in a while. You murder hobos. <laughs> you know, yeah, who you and are. I think you 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 strike on exactly how it really was used in the adventure zone. Right? It was like they were low level, and they're like, mm, "Are we going to take this thing?" And the DM was just kind of like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> like... I believe they force it to they get it they convince it to sign an affidavit that it actually destroyed the mine or something they do there was yes, yeah, they, there they was don't a... they don't worry about the language barrier there they it, it they they uh they get it to testify that it was the one who destroyed the mine so that the mining company could get its insurance money um and then it comes back later and helps them dig a tunnel underground so interesting which is interesting because it doesn't seem like it actually leaves a tunnel like it would have had to have actually worked to leave a tunnel I feel like since it oh, eats yeah. stones, it can't just, like, phase through stone to eat it. It has to eventually claw stuff out eventually. Well, but it doesn't eat the stone, it eats the gemstones. Yeah, gemstones and coins, so... And precious metals. So you might find, so. as kind of hints that it's there, there might be spaces that there's some interesting claw marks moving through it. Um, if your party has a dwarf, the dwarf knows how shaped stone is, and maybe you can kind of drop a hint, like... This is a creature that your kind hasn't seen in a while. It normally isn't on this plane and give them a hint about it. So you want to give them an opportunity mm -hmm. to do it. I, I like to, as a DM, drop items for the party to kind of get into or hints that something in here is, they should always assume something's trying to kill them. But there should also be hints that something is coming or that something is there to benefit them. Whether that creature announces itself or it's left some subtle, subtle marks behind as well. So yeah, uh, I hear you guys have a magic item to discuss. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the magic item this week... Is on my phone. Is on your phone and not my phone. I'll never find it on my phone because I don't have whatever this app is. Instagram? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> so this week our um our item of the week is the liar of pants on fire and i mean we hate puns here clearly but we sometimes you just gotta you gotta bear with them um so this item is posted on instagram by quest chests um which i know this podcast has cited in the past before um this item is, while strumming this lyre, any creature you can hear who tells a lie must succeed on a DC 13 wisdom saving throw. 
On a failure, the creature's pants burst into flames, and they take 1d8 of fire damage at the start of each of their turns. You can use a bonus action to magically snuff out the flames. Yep, so... Uh, I guess the the bard can just pull this out and be strumming it during a conversation with somebody, and uh, if that person lies, then their pants literally burst into flames. On a saving throw. Now, I do like there is a comment on this, so the original item calls for a DC 13 wisdom saving throw, and somebody pointed out, well, maybe this should be a charisma saving throw, which I, I do think makes a little bit more sense versus wisdom. Because they're lying, yeah. 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 So... I agree with that one as well. I think charisma would be a good check on it. You can tweak it how you want. I see this being, oh, if I was being a dick with this, there would be a bard investigative character whose job it was to interrogate people, and the party has to be interrogated by them. And if they lie in there, their pants catch on fire, and the bard's just kind of sitting in the corner playing like it. Liar's great. I think it would be hilarious if it was a banjo. Uh, because ah. <laughs> nothing says classy <laughs> like a banjo. So I feel like I feel like it would be this bard. If one of your bards just every now and then would just have fun and go like play at a at a tavern or something and just see how many fires break out, would be just. Hilarious. I don't know that they'd get invited back after the first time. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'd take you the have to make time. the connection. Yeah, yeah, and maybe the second time they'd figure it out. I also think it would be hilarious if the bard goes on a speed dating night at a bar, and so if everyone's <laughs> lying about their like about their personality, their He's life, the and elevator everything. music. Yeah. He's the background music. He's the background music yeah. of the speed date night at the bar, and every time someone lies, oh, fire comes off. Like, I feel like the first question should be, like, I would give this item, but it would only be used. They wouldn't know what it does first. I would say, like, <laughs> it's not necessarily cursed, but, like, it looks like a normal loot until you play it. And it has the ability to set things on fire. But I would also say that if if it were to be like that and cursed, if the bard lies, their pants catch on fire. Yeah, yeah. This item does not clarify what happens if the person playing it lies, but I, I think it the says same anybody rules, within earshot. The same rules should apply. I, I think. agree with it's that. Like a, a, a cone of truth, almost. Yeah. Zone. Zone of oh, truth, okay. not yeah. a cone of truth. It's in a cone. <laughs> I was close. As long as the cone points downwards, then you're fine. Yeah. So it would be very interesting to see that as like. I see it as like a date night, and it's like, oh, are you married? Have you had children or anything? And like the guy's like, no, I'm not married. I don't have a wife. And then their pants ignite. Oh, that'd be a good conversation starter. Even better if, okay, hear me out on this one. This is like an early adventure where the group's like meeting each other. And instead of like a date night, it's actually like an adventuring party situation. And one of the players constantly lies about all the monsters they vanquished or something. And the bard's yes. trying to put a team together. And so he's... Yes, I had this same thought. That it's like a job interview tool. The bard is gathering up some uh, teammates for himself. That'd be great. <laughs> I see that as like the... Like yeah. that is his uh, like his interview for like checking on like an adventuring guild bard. Uh, I just... I, I, I want to see I, the player that is that is telling this lie. And you're like, hmm... Make a charisma saving throw. And they're like, 
But why, though? And maybe yeah. they pass it a couple times. Yeah. I feel like it's also hard, because then the DM has to know if they're lying or not. Yeah. Which I think makes it a little more challenging to use, especially early in an adventure when you don't know the characters very well. Like, the DM and the character, the players have to have a, I feel like, a really good discussion about what the character has and hasn't done. Otherwise, you have to ask them, are you lying every time they say something, which makes it hard, but... I mean, you go... Have you actually done that? The easiest thing to do that is to ask them, okay, because these people are trying to impress others, right? That's a skill check, whether it's persuasion or it is a a deception check. So if they're like, oh, that's a deception check, that's a lie. And you can then roll their save and whether or not their pants catch on fire. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. I like that. That's a great item. Thank you, Chest Quest. It also quest seems chest. it also seems with with one D eight that like you, if this is if you're using if you're this like early, level one. <laughs> you could uh you could get messed up pretty quick on this. You could kill a commoner with this. Commoners are like four HP. They would be dead at the half level the normal roll for that. So yeah, you have to be very <laughs> careful with who's you're killing. Who's around, yeah. yeah. You have some death saves going on. Exactly. That'd be hilarious. But normally, like, an adventure, like, as soon as their pants are on fire, they have to be removed from the room if you're doing, like, adventure dating shows, so that'd be great. So, <laughs> uh, what's your... Well, it, it would also be a useful... I, the, sorry, I, I, one other good use would be shopping. If you're going through the market, I think, if you have your your bard teammate playing in the background while you're haggling for prices and stuff, it may be a good good way of finding out whether you're actually buying what you think you're buying. That's a good one too, yeah. Whether they're lying to you about the value of an item. Although if they're like a standard merchant, you will kill them. So you better have a spell ready to heal them back up. Right. Yeah. Fun times. I I like it. I don't know. So what is your player slash DM question for the day? I think one thing I'd like to have explain to me a little better is how the challenge ratings work. Like if you're trying to design a fight, an encounter for a party, um, how you balance that out with the challenge rating, especially if you're going to have, like, you've got a party of three or four people and you're going to have some group of monsters, how you, how you figure out. Yeah, I was going to say how the, how the size of the party affects that. Yes. Yes. So I, there is a calculation. The book will tell you it as well. I generally use a web application for that. Uh, let me see. If you Google 5e encounter calculator, um, let me make sure I have the right one. It has a very distinct look. Okay. I usually use one on costark.co.uk. So k-a-s-t-a-r-k.co.uk. If you just Google... 5e encounter calculator what this will ask you is the number of characters in your party as well as the character levels that you're going at so let's say some of your players have missed a few sessions maybe they're a lower player level than the others or you have like a um uh, apprentice who is a lower level you give their information into this calculator and you hit calculate and it will tell you what a specific xp range is and how deadly or how easy that encounter would be for the monsters, you either use experience or challenge rating, and you will put the number of monsters in and their CR from the book, and it will calculate the result for you and tell you whether that will be a deadly encounter for your players or, again, something pretty simple. 
Otherwise, you have to do some calculations. Normally, it's the average party level. And then for the uh, enemy monsters, if you have them in large groups, uh, that will also increase the severity and difficulty of the challenge. So mm -hmm. when in doubt, calculate it. Um, you as the DM, I've, we've said in previous episodes, lie to your players. If you gave them something way too hard, maybe you didn't calculate it. I've done that. I've thrown an encounter in and been like, ooh, I'm murdering everyone today and <laughs> pulled some punches for that. Don't think you can't do that. That is your responsibility as a DM to, if you want to kill them, yeah. I mean, killing a player is a good story arc for a lot of players. But if you are if you messed up, fudged a little bit on your math or mixed the calculation up, always check your encounters to make sure that you're not trying to murder the party outright unless it's time for a hard encounter. Give them something challenging. Put them on their toes. Keep them on their toes. Play the boss music. Yeah. Turn on your boss music and be ready to go. Um, I have multiple playlists on my account for when we played in person when D&D was in an in-person game uh, prior to COVID. That the music the that played is very specific on how challenging the enemy is. Oh, wow. So that is how I said that. You mean up. you don't just use the, uh, you know, the Pokemon? The... I've thought about dun, 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 dun. Oh, wait, that's Mission Impossible. Never mind. That's copyright. <laughs> uh, I stopped before it got too bad. So, yeah, there, there are calculators for it. Just 5e encounter calculator would be my recommendation. Just Google 5e encounter calculator and find the Ka Stark one, and you're good to go. And then you don't have to do any math. You can just put it in. That's what I do. Find your monsters, put down their CR and the number you're going to do. So, yeah. Uh, with that, you made it through. You, you found out what challenge rating is. You learned about a sweet magic item. item. So, uh, you can find out more about our episodes on your podcaster of choice. We got some out there for you to listen to if you're new. Uh, this is season three. Welcome. So, yeah, with that, we're out of here, guys. Say bye. 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 bye.